What's going on, everybody? This is Elliot, who Jordan sometimes calls many different names, and we are here tonight. This is going to be a great podcast. I don't normally do this intro, but Jordan just said I'm going to do it. So here we go. No, I'm going to start over. That sucks. Take two. <laughs> take two. You know I'm still using it. What's going that, on, though, everyone? Right? <laughs> All right, take three, take three. <laughs> What's going on, everyone? This is Elliot with my partner, Oki Nuts, and we're here to give you another fantastic podcast tonight. But before we get into the main meat of what we're going to be doing today, we're going to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. And it would really, really helpful if you guys go and check these guys out. Um, you know, we don't have sponsors on here unless we really, really believe in their products and what they're doing. So we just ask that if you're looking for some of this equipment, you go and check them out. One of, one of our fantastic partners is HTR Innovations. Happens to be old Oak Nuts's uh, company. I tell you, they've got a fantastic lineup of waterfowl goods there. We've talked a lot about it in the past. And I, I've talked so much about the layout pad. I, I don't know what else I have to say about it. You need to buy <laughs> it. But, um, you know, they're really highlighting lately the gun stand which is a fantastic tool if you're sitting in ankle deep to knee deep water and you need a place to store your stuff and your guns and everything um, it's a fantastic tool that's htr innovations the product code is duck gun with a space 10 percent off and free shipping awesome also like to throw uh give a big thanks out to our partners gunner kennels um getting man's best friend from point a to point b as I like to say, uh, we got Chief and Elliot. You got Georgie and Izzy, and there's nothing uh, more important than protecting our best friend, our hunting companion, um, and our investment because it is a huge investment. It's, it's weird to talk about your dog as an investment because you're 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 all mushy towards them, right? <laughs> At least you are, Elliot. Um, but yeah. But uh, you don't you you feel weird talking about them as an investment. But there's so much time that goes in to training a good hunting dog, um, and so much so much of the hunts that are important to getting them to that point as well. So multiple reasons to protect your hunting dog um, with the best kennel out there, and the best kennel out there is the um, five star crash test rated gunner kennel. It's got the double wall rotor molded. That is their patent on it. Um, and that just gives it superior protection in uh, the case of an accident or your truck truck flipping over on uh, your kennel and keeps your dog safe. doesn't doesn't bust, doesn't break. Um, those things are uh, pretty much indestructible, and your dog's going to come out of there way better off than if he was probably even in the vehicle with you. So uh, definitely check them out. Use code DuckGun as well for ten percent off. As right after you get done listening to this podcast, I want you to go to banded.com. And from there, you can access Banded, Avery, and GHG, and also Avery Sporting Dog, which I didn't even know was a thing until I started getting some bumpers for Georgie and, and, and some uh, sporting dog needs. But they've got everything that you need there. And I'll tell you, about once a week, I get on and just daydream and browse through what they've got from decoys to clothing to waders, all things waterfowl. And a lot of times, that you'll have fantastic sales going on where they're just trying to clear out some stuff. I know I got that flannel I talked about. It was like a, I think like a $60 flannel for 15 bucks. So go on to banded.com and just kind of cruise through what they've got. Um, I think you'll be really impressed. It's high quality stuff and um, they've got everything for your waterfowl needs. Awesome. And before we jump into it, guys, we just want to throw a big thanks out to you guys, the listeners, viewers of the podcast. Um, you guys are awesome. And also want to mention, if you guys don't know, which you should by now, but if you're new to the podcast, um, Ellie and I both make uh, YouTube videos as well. Um, and, you know, do us a favor. Check us out across all of our social media, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we're definitely putting all types of content out all the time. It's a great way to stay um, in the loop with us, as well as I've started a TikTok, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So, um Definitely check out that as well. And last thing, Elliot's getting hats. I got hats out there. You guys want to support us personally um, as well and get some sweet gear to put on your head, <laughs> then there you have it. So, all right, let's go ahead um, and jump into the podcast. Hey, guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. 
and shooting limits, well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me in another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. I got my co-host, Elliot, from Freelance Duck Hunting. How you doing tonight? I'm a little upset, I have to be honest. I don't understand why I hadn't heard about the Oak Nuts stickers. Because <laughs> it was supposed to be a surprise. It was a good surprise. <laughs> <laughs> It was, I don't, it was almost like planned because someone left a comment on some thread Uh, telling you that why hadn't you owned the name (laughs) and you had already purchased those stickers, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're already coming. Yeah. So I messaged (laughs) them like, like, it was like the next day and I messaged them or added them to that thread. I'm like, Hey, is this owning it enough for you? (laughs) (laughs) I loved that. That's, That's right. When I saw the stickers existed. And that was just classic. This is owning it enough for you. Yeah, yeah, so you guys can actually purchase some Oak Nut stickers. I think I may put one on my... Um, I'm not a big sticker guy on, on my uh, window of my truck. But <laughs> I've got a Ducks Unlimited sticker. I may have to throw up a Duck Gun scratching out a limit on there. <laughs> awesome. I would be honored. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, cool the deal with those you. is... Um, I actually got enough for like the run of hats I did too. So I kind of, you know, figured I'd do it a combo deal with the duck gun hats and the stickers. So yeah, if you guys want to purchase them, it's, uh, it says we got it up on the, the fellowship, of the duck gun, so you guys can see it. Um, but you can get them on the flyways collective.com. That's our website for all the flyways guys, but go in there under uh, apparel and you'll see the hats. Um, but yeah, the, the decals come with each of the hats and the hats say duck gun. Then it's got a little picture of, um, acorns, <laughs> a pair of acorns and, uh, or oak nuts if you, if you would. And then it, at the bottom, it says, we know how to scratch out a limit. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually took the, I have to have, one. I took the meme that, um, Tim made in our group because yeah. he made the meme after there was the poll about what my nickname should be, and he made a bunch of those, and so I found one of those and messaged him like, hey, you got that so I can make decals from it. So, yeah. Pretty How well received so far. Tim Cochran? Yeah. He is, like, the most creative guy ever. Is he not? He is. He's definitely very creative. I mean, he's cranking out these hilarious themed songs. He's does all these oak nut memes. He's got that whole full, full choke memes that he had, like, he's got like six of them. It's like, he just cranks out funny content. That guy. Yeah, for sure. I've got, I paid for my hats today, so I've got hats coming as well here real, real soon. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been like two or three years since I've had hats. Yeah. Uh, I bet they'll uh, be a hot ticket item. Yeah, so by the time this podcast is out, you'll probably have them. So that means more work for me. I'll get to put up a bunch of your hats up on the website. <laughs> yep. Yep, and you sure will. <laughs> I oh. went with the coffee and khaki like you like you do because I love that. And then I just got the Max 5 camo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. Definitely. Uh, to that. Those are definitely, definitely uh, some of the best sellers there. But man, we haven't uh, we haven't talked in forever. There's been a lot going on. Um, yeah, <laughs> I actually created a, a TikTok. I, I took the I took the dive. I bit the bullet since we last talked, and started creating some um, some funny videos on there. So <laughs> you almost have a hundred thousand views on that one, or did you go? I saw I saw one place that said ninety some thousand views. Have you? gone over a hundred thousand views on that one yeah i couldn't believe it like yeah that that was crazy because i thought it was funny but i didn't realize that uh, yeah i posted it on tiktok and then it got it's it has like eighty two thousand uh views on there and then i posted it on facebook too and it had uh it has over a hundred thousand views and like 800 shares and <laughs> it's just that's awesome yeah 
So it's going to be weird. So with, with TikTok, with TikTok, it's like, you know, um, what's the benefit? I mean, like with Instagram, you get a following, you know, and, and is it just, I'm not that familiar with TikTok. Um, what, what is the end objective of just like people can follow you on there like they do on Instagram? Yeah, it's just another avenue for, you know, connecting with um, people who, you know, follow your content or maybe that's the way they start following your content. Um, but I, even then, you know, when I started posting those videos, I had people who were on there already, man, like, hey, um, is that the dog from the YouTube videos? And I'm like, yeah, that's Chief, you know, mm -hmm. or like I had someone say, hey, love your podcast, you know. So there's people that are pre-existing followers, you know, from the podcast or YouTube channel. Um, but I think it's just like overall, it's kind of a younger generation. I know that like definitely with like the older folks, like TikTok gets like this real bad rap um, for whatever reason. And like, I was the same well, way. Well, I know why you download and all it is, is like sluts shaking their butt around. Yeah. With, when you first get on TikTok and just like look at stuff, that's like all you see is like, <laughs> that's the bulk of it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's on every social media app, to be honest, you know, it's just Facebook is not real prevalent because it's the people you know, right? And then Instagram, yeah. you kind of like follow, but like, it's like there's hashtags and all that. There's not like a discoverability thing on tick uh, on instagram really and tiktok i mean yeah i think there is a lot of that um but you kind of get away away from it once you start getting into um following a bunch of you know country folks hunter type people it's just not as prevalent so yeah well i did download it and i kind of looked around on it and everything a little bit but i need yeah. to mess with it more i guess <laughs> i'm one of those older folks i think yeah, no, I was I was the same way. I'm like, I'm not getting a TikTok this stupid. But then, like, I don't know. Honestly, it's it's like opened up. Like the way they have it set up, it's super easy to be creative on there. Um, it's just set up to be that way. It's set up to kind of enable you to do funny videos. Like once you kind of learn the mm -hmm. platform, and so that's what I really like about it. Like you said, like I mean, I have multiple videos that have really like popped off on there, and they're just little funny videos. Like the, I mean, I've yeah. done a couple yeah. of the. I've, I've taken clips from my YouTube channel. I mean, we get videos all season long where there's funny stuff that happens, you know, or you can do cool stuff that happened and, you know, duck hunters are going to find it. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a duck hunting community on TikTok. Believe it or not. I wasn't honestly, wasn't sure. I'm like, well, let's jump on here and just figure out what it's all about. But yeah, I've enjoyed it so far. So when you pick the music, are you like, uh, uh, thinking of a song in your head and then going and finding it, or are you ran randomly looking at just samples that they have there? Yeah, I think, I mean, for the most part, you can get any song because they kind of work around the copyright laws. And the way it works is with copyright, even with like YouTube videos or anything or a meme you see on the internet, if they use a song and they use it for less than 15 seconds, then it's not copyright. Then that's uh, within mm -hmm. like the fair use. Um, however the law works. So it's 15 seconds or less and it's not copyright. So I can use any country song, any rock song, anything for 15 seconds or less. And then there's ones beyond that for longer type content on there. And obviously it's usually not the more popular songs um, or it's uh, a less popular artist doing that popular song. And that's how they get a, mm -hmm. a, around with it. Cause those people have like less restrictive copyrights on their music. So yeah, they have a whole library of everything you can pick from. Well, I, I'm enjoying your videos, so hopefully you keep it going. <laughs> oh, I will. I'm liking them. They're pretty funny. You're a pretty creative guy. Oh, thanks. For sure. Yeah. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else going on, like updates. Because, we, well, if you guys haven't figured this out, um, we took last week off for recording because um, Elliot was gone for a fishing trip, and I was packing up to go on a fishing trip. Um, so as far as that, you know, we just, we just kind of – skipped a week and we're about to do a double header tonight. So it's been a little bit since we talked. <laughs> yeah, it has. It has. It's I'll tell you, um, Georgie's just taken off. I've been excited to talk to you about everything she's doing. She's I got her she's done with force fetch. Completely done. And so awesome. we're rolling now, man. She is she's hit the ground running. Yeah. You've done an excellent job with her. I hope. The only thing you need to work on now is keeping her quiet during the podcast. That's Izzy, and I'm just texting my wife about it. That <laughs> dog, man. <sighs> I just, I was texting my wife, Izzy barking. She's, Izzy sits out there in the backyard. You go out there, she's barking at nothing. 
I don't know. She either <laughs> has like a sixth sense where she can see phantoms or something. Mm. The other morning, Aiden Aiden's living here for the summer, Golden Boy, because he's working at a local place. And he let her out like at six. And she literally sat right outside of our window <laughs> and every five seconds just barked. Just one bark. <sighs> five, five seconds. Bark. Yeah. After like the... After like the fiftieth one, I'm like, okay, if she does one more, I'm getting up. <laughs> <laughs> she did. And she's so old; it makes me so like. Right now, I'm enraged inside at that stupid dog for sitting outside my window and barking. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, hear I know you. she's not barking anything. Yeah. And so here's the thing. I mean, we're both. I mean, we we just do this podcast as a hobby. I mean, it's more than that to us too. But it is like a we're hobbyist, I should say, for the podcast, right? Sure. I mean, we do it in our house. Mm-hmm. You know, I do it in my basement. You have a, a little podcast studio in your master bedroom of your house um and so there's gonna be like little noises that happen but like uh you know we had (laughs) it was a few weeks ago but um you know it's about bedtime for my kids so my wife's putting the kid to bed you know upstairs and I can like hear the kid crying I'm like looking at my audio bar like (laughs) you know like (laughs) and so I just wondered like like if I text my wife and say something, because she's already stressed out at that point. If the kid's like struggling, like fighting with her to go to bed, and if I'm like, "Can you keep the kid quiet?" You know, like, <laughs> what's your wife do when you're like texting her about Izzy? She's cool. She she's cool with it. Okay. She doesn't get pissed. I know one time you after the podcast, you told me you thought you got in a little trouble with her. For, that was the I forget one I was what her snarky about. remark back to you was. She said something. What did she say back to you? I forget. Uh, I can't remember. Something about how this was like the real world and there's nothing she could do about it. Yeah. She was trying, you know, she was trying and she was, you know, having the kid fight with her and, you know, (laughs) part of life. You're like, keep the kid quiet. I'm doing a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And make me a sandwich when you get that kid quiet. (laughs) It wasn't quite that bad, but (laughs) yeah. No, oh, my wife's man. definitely yeah. supportive as well, but you don't want to catch her when she's, uh, you know, already has the temper flared up from something else. <laughs> yeah, I hear that, man. I, our wives seem to be somewhat similar in temperament. They're, they're really cool about our hunting, and they're really chill. And I didn't know this about your wife till you said that, but it's like there's a side to them that you have to watch for. Yeah. And when you see that side percolating, you just kind of <laughs> go, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> not, not now. Not now. <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely a, you know, hey, we have to thank our wives all the time for letting us do this crazy, you know. I mean, it, it gets pretty crazy with all the content creation we do all the time, you know. It's almost like a second job. It's like I was tallying up the hours that, that I work, you know, on this stuff. And, it's, I mean, I enjoy it a lot. So um, that's why we do it, you know. But it's just a lot of hours. <laughs> but, yeah. You kind of a, a funny story kind of talking about, I mean, my wife's super supportive. Um, and we were on a, a hunt last year, late goose season, you know, and by the end of the season, um, I know from what you've said in the past, like your wife's ready for it to be done too. You know, the, all the, the hunting and the long Saturdays and all that. Well, me and Hunter were out there and it was like, you know, three in the afternoon. I'm like, oh, I wonder what my wife's thinking, you know, cause we decided to like stick it out for the full day hunt. I was like a little worried that she might be stressed out or something. Um, but then like right about then, like I get this text about how um, she's happy that I'm like chasing my dreams and out there like, <laughs> like yeah. it's like super nice, long, like supportive text message. And I was like, just after I got done telling Hunter that. So yeah. That's Pre- awesome. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I will call, I will call her on the phone when it's going to be a real long day. And uh, I'm just looking for like tone of voice, like some little reassurance of it's okay. Don't worry about it. Now, I mean, I, she never gets pissed off at me about it. I just don't want her to be, you know, any seeds of resentment about it or whatever. So mm-hmm. I'll just be, well, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit later today. And what I <laughs> hope I don't hear is, okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Yep. I'll see you. Bye. That's what, <laughs> that's what, that's the worst case scenario. <laughs> I want, oh, okay, yeah, we'll have fun. You know, just a, just something, just a little something to be like, okay, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. For I, It's probably the same for you, but for me, I feel like it's less me, and it's more how the kid's been acting while I've been gone. <laughs> ah, yeah. Because <laughs> if the kid's been like a struggle, you know, or, you know, maybe the kid was a struggle all night, or, you know, if I left at four in the morning, 
you know, and then the kid woke up, woke up after that and she, you know, nobody got sleep after that. Then that's when it's like, okay. So that's what I got to watch out for. Oh man, that, that reminds me. I don't know if you saw, I did a turkey hunting video with Danny boy and Danny and I got to the hunting place and we're still sitting in the truck and I get a text from my wife saying, Izzy's been running around the house, barking this, that. And I forget, I think she like even crapped or something where <laughs> didn't she? I felt like she was almost wanting me to come back and deal with it. <laughs> and so Dan and I have this whole conversation about how to handle that. And it turns into a conversation about emojis and how to properly use emojis <laughs> in that conflict. It's really, it's a really fun, funny sequence. We're talking about the same topic. Dan's like, you going to go back? I'm like, no, way. I'm not driving back there right now. <laughs> be fine. Yeah. We should do a whole podcast on girlfriends and wives. I really think. Yeah. Or at least like a half segment, like top five type of deal. Yeah, we should. We'll mark it down. But yeah, let's, let's go ahead and give like brief updates on our fishing. And then we, uh, we got a bunch of comments. I made a post yesterday because we're going to do a Q&A for this podcast um, or a, a You Ask, We Answer session. And we got a lot of good ones. So, um, you know, and then our doubleheader. So we got our guest on after this. But you guys, well, I guess there'll be separate podcasts for them. But, uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and, yeah, fishing trip. So go ahead, Elliot. All right. Well, um, since the late 1980s, uh, my dad and I have been going up to central, north central Nebraska, up into the sand hills, and fishing for pike and bass, and and uh, it, it's just the most beautiful, fantastic place. We've bass fished up there, we've grouse hunted, we've done a little bit of waterfowl hunting. So we stopped doing that for about ten years, um, ten maybe even fifteen years. But so the last three years, we've gotten back into going back up there. And so this is year number three of kind of our every year we go up there at least one time. And so, um, this year was, it was my, my dad and my two stepsons, their biological dad, which was really, I invited him along, which he and I had never hung out, which was an interesting dynamic. And it was really cool to get to know him better. And then my biological son, Nevin, and, um, is that it? Is that everyone? Oh, and then I met Matt from Hyper Sportsman up there and his dad. And so we got up there and it was, it was so fantastic. So we had gotten out of this hot streak where it had been high nineties, even up there, it was almost a hundred, a couple days before we got there. And we got there on the day the cold front was hitting. And from one point in from like one side of Nebraska to the other, it went from 80 degrees to like 55, like in about a two and a half hour driving period. It just, the temperature plummeted and it was, it wasn't pouring, but it was just drizzly. It like immediately became fall weather, which, you know what I mean? When you're in the summer and it's in the 90 degrees and you hit that fall weather, it's like, Oh, it's the, biggest relief. So I, I actually had been watching what the temperature was going to do. So I had a hoodie and everything already for when we hit that front, I could like just throw on my hoodie and everything and feel like it's cold. And that was fantastic. We got up there. It was windy, a little rainy. Um, so not ideal conditions, but again, it just felt so cool. It was awesome. So we managed to get all, all of our tents set up and everything and, um, got out next morning and the fish just didn't bite. Um, and I assume it was just the, the cold front because we caught, we, we fished the first half of the day and one fish was caught between six guys. And <laughs> like, I didn't even get a bite. Nevin didn't even get, get a bite. It's like a couple people got bites and one Adam, my, um, stepkid's dad, uh, he caught about a 18 inch bass, which is a nice bass, but I mean, it was just awful. It was terrible. Then that night we went back out and it's like maybe a couple more fish were caught. So the first day we only caught three fish and they were all bass. Um, then the second day, uh, um, it was a little bit better. We caught just enough fish. Let's see the whole on that second day fishing the first night, Matt and his dad showed up. And so the next day we caught about uh, eight, nine fish total between the group. Most of which were pike. Um, I ended up with two bass, but on the, on the trip as a whole, it was like the most Adam and, Elijah caught four fish each, and then I caught two. My dad and Nevin caught zero. Simeon caught one. I mean, the fishing just was terrible, and it's ne it's never been that bad. I thought it was the cold front, but then first day after the cold front, second day after the cold front was a little bit better. 
Matt and his dad stayed for the third day after the cold front. I figured, well, they'll probably start biting at this point. And even that day, they caught like a bass and a bluegill talking to Matt afterwards. So the fishing was just brutal. But that place is about as beautiful as they come. The meals were kind of the highlights of the whole trip because Adam and Elijah made like hot wings and and baked potatoes the first night. And then we had just enough fish to have a huge pike dinner the second night. And so the, the dinners were fantastic. The weather was fantastic. I saw tons of ducks and there's a lot more mallards there this year um, than the previous years. Normally it's mostly blue and teal, but there was lots of ducks, I saw swans. So, I mean, the whole trip was really, really cool. Um, it's just the fishing was kind of crappy, but it, all in all, it's still a one wonderful, wonderful trip. Awesome. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, my big thing was that Nevin didn't even get a bite. He doesn't fish that much because I go up there and I caught two fish. You know, I'd like to catch more, but it's not that big a deal. But, you know, he doesn't really go fishing all that much. And for him to go up there the whole time and not even to get a bite, like not yeah. one bite and two full <laughs> days of fishing. That's, that's rough. rough. And he has a great attitude about it. But that that's I felt worse about that than anything else. Yeah, that doesn't as far as like trying to somebody more involved with fishing it doesn't do you any favors at all <laughs> it does the opposite no no it doesn't so yeah. i'm gonna try to get him out to jeff's pond here because they catch like five pound bass in his pond like three or four each time they go out so i'm gonna try to get him to like a farm pond where he can just go catch a bunch awesome yeah so i went fishing too you see that uh the little trailer i sent you that i think that was the best trailer you've ever made <laughs> Was that I the, think you're on a roll. The commercial you made for HTR and that trailer, I think, are the two best pieces of work I've ever seen you do. <laughs> not the not the TikToks. <laughs> well, the TikToks are a totally different thing. I know. I'm just it's kidding. not the same. I like the TikToks, but those things were just like you're getting to that level of like truly looking professional with with some of the stuff you're doing. I think well, I was well, super impressed. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that um, the trailer for it is probably, well, I don't want to say that. Like, uh, I don't want to say it like that, but we had a rough time fishing, too. So we got there. Um, we went up into Michigan. We went up way up into the woods, and we hike in where, you know, we're not going to see anybody else, um, or, or we try not to. I'm trying to think. No, we didn't see anybody the whole time we are there. So, oh, um, sweet. Yeah, and so, I mean, we'll hike in a pretty good ways to get away from everybody um, and the streams and all that. But literally we got to like the first hole that we we're going to fish and I'm like filming, you know, getting ready. Cause it's, it's like last light. We're going to do like the, we're doing the trout thing with fly rods and doing some, um, mousing at night. Uh, and so I'm like getting ready and filming and, you know, getting like setting up a camera to do a, uh, a daylight to nighttime lapse and all this stuff. And, um, no joke, my dad, like 10 cast in, um, he's like fish on. And, and so I like grab the camera and, um, you know, I, I, I capture him getting it, getting in the net, but it's literally his best trout he's ever caught. It was a very solid, very solid brown trout. So we're like, Oh man, it's going to be an awesome fishing trip. Like it's the bites on, it's going to be hot. And so I started fishing after that. And I mean, I did, I got some bites, but like, uh, literally just never, like they just never stayed hooked. Like they would, they hit and nothing and like when you're throwing big flies like that you're trying to catch big fish you know you're not going to catch a little dinks i literally had one hit my uh my mouse at night um and it's like pitch black so you can't see anything you're just floating this mouse across the top of the water um it mm -hmm. i mean it was an explosion it was like right right between us you know water splashing everywhere a huge explosion it like jerked the rod almost out of my hand wow and he didn't stay hooked i'm I still it's like it like hurts when i think about that one because it was a that would have been a really good fish. So um, then we got an Airbnb and everything. So after that, we um, we decided, that okay, let's just call it a night so we don't, like, wear ourselves out because we still got Saturday and Sunday. The fishing's good. It'll be a little easier in the daylight. But it got down to, like, 38, 39 degrees that night. And I don't know if that's what shut them off. But after that, I mean, we fished all Saturday. I'm not sure. Like, you know, sometimes when you fly fish, like, a rock can hit your fly and – um, like the current pushing it kind of feels like a bite. We had like, I would say zero confirmed bites and we fished like all day Saturday and we moused into the, into the night again until about midnight. And then we fished Sunday morning too. And again, um, 
It was just nothing. And then, like, right at the end, like, literally crazy because, like, Dad caught his first 10 minutes. The last 10 minutes I had, um, you know, I was stripping the streamer in, and I thought I, like, hit it on a rock, but it just stopped. And then it was like, you know, it goes off. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm like, this is it. I, I caught that big brown trout. That's what we're targeting. This is going to be it. And then I get them closer, and it's a northern pike. <laughs> so. Oh, man. And it's not like I would normally big? be like happy with that, right? But like I'm specifically yeah. targeting big brown trout and we we went up up into into Michigan, you know, where these big brown trouts reside and you know. But I mean, that's nothing you can do about it except for try again. Um we still had a lot of fun. And and it's like you said, like we we don't we get up there maybe twice a year we'll do a a fishing trip me and dad, so if that how big was that pike? I didn't measure it, but I would say, I mean, it was, it wasn't a big one. It was probably like 22 inches, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We caught a couple that were over 30 inches. Well, not me, our group, Matt caught a, a I don't know. I think it was about 32 and the head on this thing was massive. It was yeah. beautiful. It was the only fish Matt caught on the trip. Um, it, it, he caught it like in his first 20 minutes of fishing, That's but it crazy. was, it was a big, big pike. Yeah. Awesome. They are so delicious, those pike, man. They are so good eating. <laughs> yeah. I've never tried it. So I'll have to sometime. I slumped my So, that, so you didn't catch a fish the whole trip? I just caught that northern pike. That was it. I didn't oh, catch a I trout. Mean, yeah, I'm in a trout. Yeah. Nope. But I mean we could like we could have caught trout. You know what I mean? Like I could have put on like a nim for a dry fly and, and caught like you know, 10 inch trout, which is fun to do, but it's like, we're trying to do something different. You know, that's the whole premise of the weekend. I, I told my dad before we started, I'm like, I'm not throwing anything besides a streamer or a mouse all weekend. And I'm just, mm -hmm. you know, it's high risk, high reward. I mean, so if I would have hooked that one on the mouse, you know, it would have been a giant. And then if we would have had the bite for the other two days, it's like, well, maybe over the weekend you can land three really solid brown trout and you'll be happy with that. But you know, when the bites off and you miss your opportunities the first night, you know, it's kind of, you're kind of donezo. So whatever. I'll be back. I just have it. no stamina. I've got no stamina when it comes to fishing. If they're not biting, I get, you know, a couple hours and I'm just hating life. I don't, I don't have the passion for it. So I don't have the stamina for it. Uh, yeah, I do. I think I have the stamina. <laughs> Unfortunately, like just to cast and cast and cast and cast and cast and cast and cast. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Come it on. was like, I mean, I don't know, hundreds of casts. And then finally that last one, it's like, you have to have faith the whole time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you're going to, or else you just start doing, you're like, ah, you start doing it lackluster. You don't like, and that's when they catch you off guard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It was like when we were duck hunting one time, my dad and I were sitting in this big, lumber pile and we had not even seen a duck for multiple hours and i'm like i'm just gonna lay back here just for like a second i laid down and i'm telling you within the next 30 <laughs> seconds to a minute and a half a teal comes right in my dad killed it <laughs> like you gotta be kidding me yeah i was glad he killed it but i would like to have been up <laughs> oh yeah that's how it always works all right what do you say we jump into these uh q a's yeah, I hope there is at least one Georgie question because I'm excited to talk there about is. what she's been doing. I've I've skimmed Sweet. through them as I could, but I haven't I haven't uh, read all of them. So we'll answer the ones quickly that we can, and the other ones that take more time, we'll do those too. So, um, like the first one, we already talked about this one. Ken says, "Why haven't you owned the Oak Nuts nickname? It needs to be in your opening." So <laughs> I've owned up to it now. We got the decals. <laughs> So there's your answer. You guys you know want a that. decal? You're gonna have to buy a hat. hat he he did. Decal. He actually did. These decals. So. Oh, he went and bought it right away. Oh, right away. It was like, bam! He saw <laughs> that. <laughs> so. <laughs> awesome. If you guys, those of you out there, if you buy an Oak Nuts decal and you put it wherever you stick it, we want a. I want a picture of it on Fellowship of the Duck Guns. I want to see <laughs> these Oak Nuts stickers and where they end up. Yeah. Come that's on, a guys. good fellowship that's a of the duck guns on on Facebook. Get you get yourself an oak nut sticker and <laughs> put it wherever you put it, your car, put it over your toilet, your wife's forehead, wherever, and we want a picture. 
you're gonna get some pictures you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Scott says, "When is this country going to get its head out of its ass?" Um, that's a loaded question, and we probably could spend the rest of the podcast answering that one. But I fear that it won't be anytime soon. It's getting worse and worse and worse, man. Our country's losing its mind. I think they already the, lost the their thing, mind. Well, the bad thing about it is that if if you have a, if you have any kind of different opinion, you're a racist. So it's like you're pretty much, for the most part, forced to sit there and not say a whole lot because just the most <laughs> timid, mild thing, and you're a racist. Yeah. And yeah. if you don't say anything, you're also a racist, by the way. Yeah, if you don't say anything, you're a racist too. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, you know what? I, I don't play that game. I have no problem not saying anything. I don't want to say anything. Well, I will say I've deleted about four or five Facebook posts that I've or comments that I've made that I decided were I'm staying out of it. So I'm, I'll get pissed. I'll make a comment. I'll delete it within 30 seconds because I'm like, <laughs> That's nope, I don't want to. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved, man. I'm not going to do it. But yeah. I'll be damned if I'm going to make a post just so. I'm not racist because everyone may, says if I don't make a Facebook post, then I'm racist. That is the oh. dumbest thing in the world. There is absolutely no way that I'm going to be forced to make any comments. I'm not a racist. I've worked in the inner city. I've loved my little African-American students like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I, I'm not. I mean, I'm certainly not going to be somehow put through some kind of litmus test where if I don't publicly make a Facebook post that I'm somehow racist. You know, no thanks. Yeah. Now it's getting ridiculous. There's, I mean, literally we could go through the list and it'd take all night, but I, I really, honestly, I have no idea when everything's going to go back to, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know how to answer like what I'm trying to say, but it's just, yeah, it's getting crazier and crazier and I don't really see the light at the end of the tunnel for all that kind of stuff. And it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. The scary thing is these far, far leftist nuts are jumping into this whole topic, and these people are dangerous. They're dangerous individuals, and if they get power, because they're all Marxist, you know, I mean, that's what they are, and if they get power, and you look at any country that, like, China, Soviet Union, Chaz. Cambodia, where they've, they've gone down that road, the body bags just pile up. So I could see it's like scares me that there's a scenario where, you know, it's like uh, being racist becomes a witch hunt where in like 15 years, if they think you're racist, you know, you're just m suddenly missing like in, you know, the yeah. 1980s in Russia. You're just well, gone like, and people don't know where you are. It's like uh, it feels like <laughs> it almost does feel like that. You have to be careful what you say in public or like uh, one of the Hitler youngins going to like turn you in, you know, like. <laughs> Seriously, that's that's the road we're going down right now. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that Seattle thing? Chaz? I'm mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I'm I'm about to move there and join up, I guess. It's gonna be, you know, free everything and you know, free infrastructure. Wait, I guess we're the US is still paying for all that. That's the biggest joke I've ever yeah. seen in my life. I don't understand I how that is possible. I don't understand how yeah, like you said, we could go down this whole road about it. But, like, it's like, how is that even, like, why why is that allowed to happen is what I'm trying to get at. Far it left is be. nuts, man. That's why. I know, but why why is somebody not stopping that? <laughs> like, if someone because took over my house, mayor, I would expect the governor the police... and the mayor making the police stand <laughs> down. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They ought to roll the military in there. And the first person, because, you know, I've seen some pictures where I don't think there's lots of weapons there, but I've seen several pictures where the guards have weapons and they're talking trash about the United States and rolling there with the military and anyone that tries to resist with a weapon is instantly dead. And those 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 people will scatter like fleas. Yeah. I mean, they're taking over part of America. Since mm -hmm. when do we allow that to take place? Yeah, it's crazy. All right, let's move. Let's move on. <laughs> yes, please. All right, Matt asks, "How do I become TikTok famous like you?" Well, I guess you're gonna have to work on your humor. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he tried, and then I, I thought his I thought his TikTok was funny. No, yeah, he's done good. I'm just giving a hard time. He just didn't reach the reach the reach the oak nuts level. 
He'll get there. I All did right. like when he was with the towel over his head crying. That was funny. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, Justin asked, I'd love to hear any updates on the big collab. Um, so updates on that. I mean, we actually meet once a month as a group, and we've been doing some live streams over there on the Flyways Collective YouTube. Actually, we did um, some on Josh's YouTube channel as well. Um, but, yeah, so we still can't update you on the actual collab because we just don't know yet. Like, we've got a bunch of things up in the air. We're working to make it a really cool event. And I will say that everything that we did last year, but, like, just, I don't know, like, literally, like, 2X, everything's going to be twice as cool as last year. I feel like everything with the Flyways Collective, last year we threw everyone together and just kind of try to wade into the water. And this year everything's kind of much more organized, Um it's it's just a it's going moving up to the next level this year. I feel like, yeah, the whole thing, not just the collab, but just the group and the group as a whole. Yeah. Um, Brock asked, there has been some protest to ban duck hunting in my state. Excuse me. Um, if duck hunting is banned in the U.S. at some point in the future, would you still do it? Um, I don't really think it'll ever. I shouldn't say that, but uh. <laughs> That's really far stretched to say that it'll get banned in the U.S. I hope not. Um, and if I were to do it, I wouldn't publicly announce it. <laughs> Got anything to add to that, Elliot? I wouldn't do it because if our country comes to that point, you're going to be walking a tight line to make sure that you're not in trouble. But I'd probably go out and still decoy them and work on and still make videos. Maybe take Nerf guns out. <laughs> Shoot them with a nerf paint gun. guns, paint, yeah. paint guns. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. The th- uh, thoughts on use of confidence decoys, coots, um, ek, in your guys' spread. So this all goes back to Matt and his crazy ideas and the YouTube videos he makes about coot decoys. And so he's a big lover of coot decoys. Um, I think he'd probably rather hunt with coot decoys than mallards, uh, but. Yeah, I think the thing that that it goes to is coot look like little trash bags, and so um, it doesn't really matter. I I, th- I don't think it makes a big difference on what you use. I think that the biggest thing is make sure you hid, make sure you have all your brush around you, you're concealed, um, and be in the right spot. Scout, make sure you're in the right spot. Uh, I would say, you know, I, I'm being a little bit <clears throat> over the top about what I'm saying with the the confidence decoys, I just really don't think it makes a difference. I think it's scout, be where the birds want to be, and don't let them see you. Well, I think the difference is, I think this is a topic where it makes a difference, but it's hard to figure out how much. Um, I, I don't think it makes a massive difference, but I had a long conversation with someone, I think it was back and forth on Hardcore, about, um, using realistic teal decoys versus hen mallards and that kind of thing. We talked about the whole deal. And I I truly believe that these things matter. It's just how much do they matter? If you yeah. shoot 10 more ducks in, in five <laughs> years, that's still a difference. And I'd rather shoot 10 more ducks in five years. I, I'm just throwing out a number. Maybe it's maybe it's four ducks in one year. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think that it certainly does matter. I just I don't know how much. But as far as teal teal decoys specifically, um, I'm sorry, coot decoys specifically. I have seen mallards and other ducks n- totally ignore my s- spread and go into coots to to where it's just absolutely annoying. And the problem is is that I've even gotten up to try to like get the coot to leave, but they won't. They just go to a different spot. But anytime that's happened, it's like hundreds of coots. It's not like yeah. a dozen or a half dozen. Yeah, I, I doubt say. a half dozen coots make a big difference. I, if I'll, you're going to go coots, you better go like five, six, seven dozen of them, I think. Yeah, and I've seen the same thing where there's a big old raft of coots out in the middle. And, yeah, the birds all want to land with the birds. And I, th- I think if you're in that same situation and you have coot decoys right next to you, that those coots aren't going to be magic to pull those birds away from that bigger raft of birds somewhere else. I think if they were any other type of bird, it'd be the same result. They'd want to land with that big group out in the middle. Yeah. If there's coots in the area, I certainly wouldn't mind having them in my set. I want my spread to look like what is in the area. 
And that's my that's my number one goal. And I do think that it matters. It's just we can all debate how much it matters, I think. Yeah. Well, we know that it, at certain places in the world, they shoot them over two liter bottles and stuff like that. So I think if they get to the point where, and I mean, that's a big jump from like decoys to like other type of decoys. And I think it just depends. Like if you literally want them to land, then maybe that's like where it starts to make a difference. But it's like, if you're going to shoot them at 15, 20 yards when they flare at, at something, then like, you know, that's where I'm like, I think that that's, they're still going to get in shooting range, I should say. But it, it might, I think it might help them get past that 15 yard barrier or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I talked to, I had a guy commenting years ago and he was talking a lot about the fine details. And one thing about getting sloppy on the fine details is that if you're like, let's say, all right, I'm not even going to use teal decoys during teal season or people I've seen people just throw out their cans. If, if you're willing to cut corners like that in one area, you're probably cutting corners in a lot of areas because uh, making sure all that your details are taken care of in general makes a big difference. Are you, are you really making sure that you're concealed? Are you cutting corners? Are you using, you know, um, crappy decoys? Are you getting ones that look a more, a little more realistic? I mean, if you cut your corners on everything you're doing, you're going to, it's going to end up making a big difference. Mm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. No, I can, I can agree with that, that, it, you know, it, there can be con- some kind of a cumulative effect. It would just be towards the bottom of my list. Like, first thing I'm going to worry about is my concealment. That's the number one thing I'm not going to cut the corner on. And then beyond that, I mean, maybe even before that's the scouting and then everything else after Mm -hmm. that, I feel like it's a big drop off of importance. Sure. Um, yeah. So let's see. Next one. Corey asked, love, I'd love to hear Elliot's best hunting story when he was a kid with fumble mitts. Um, also same for me. Hmm. Is there one for you? Is there a question for you in there while I can think about that for a little bit? Yeah, no, it's the same question for both of us. So I would say for me, I don't have a lot of hunting memories as a kid because we didn't do it a lot. I'd go and hunt with grandpa over Thanksgiving. So that was kind of a tradition for a few years. I finally got old enough to go. I remember the first time I got to go do something with the guys. Um, we actually went to Gatlinburg and this is, this is not even hunting related now, but all the guys were going to go golfing. And like, I started golfing at a young age, like Literally, I think the first tournament I played in, I was like five years old um, for golf. And so all the guys were going to go golfing. We're on this big family vacation with um, all my relatives. And, like, I was just, like, heartbroken that I wasn't going to be able to go um, golfing. And (laughs) uh, my parents surprised me for my birthday, and I got my first set of golf clubs. This was probably when I was five, four or five, something like that. I think it was for my fifth birthday, but I was four at the time. So, Anyways, I remember that, and they got the clubs, and, like, um, you know, my grandpa gave me a bunch of golf balls. But that was, like, the first time I got to do something with all the guys. But, yeah, as far as hunting goes, same thing with grandpa. Um, But we'd do upland, and we'd do quail. Um, And the first time that I shot my gun, we had a whole covey of quail flush up. We had a a bunch of English pointers. Uh, My grandpa did. He'd keep four at a time, and his buddy at least had one there. Um, but yeah, they all flushed up and I literally shot and had a single shot, 20 gauge and fell over. So that's my first earliest Hmm. hunting memory. Well, with my dad calling him fumble mitts, he's got a long history of falling in the water. And so I think of there's two instances in particular and one, I know I've told it recently. I don't know if it's on the podcast or not, but, um, my first wife and my dad and I went out hunting in zero degree weather and we walked a whole mile back into this place and we didn't have our waders on yet. And he was walking on this ice. It was really thin. It was only like three or four inch of water, but he ended up falling through the ice. He had this huge backpack on. He fell through the ice and then fell down. And then because he had the backpack on, he was so off balance that he just couldn't ride himself. And he basically ended up just kind of rolling over in the water just and he got just completely soaked his glasses fell off into the water and i mean it was it was zero degrees so mm. he ended up having to strip completely naked to take all his clothes off because he had a i'm sure he probably kept his underwear on i don't remember but i don't <laughs> think i was looking that closely but he, he like took it all off changed into a different set of clothes while my my wife had to look the other direction there it was zero degrees and he was like 
<laughs> stripping down in the nude. And then the other one was um, we were hunting on this little ice hole, and my uncle had shot, um, I think it was a golden eye, and they've got all that white on them. Golden eyes tend to be a little more, get a lot of blood on them. And so my uncle's like, oh, I want to mount that, Carl. Can you go over and, and wash it up? So my dad walked right up to the edge of the ice and like stood on the edge, bent all the way over to try to wash it off. Well, then that, that piece of ice gave way and he was bent over. So he just went head first mm-hmm. right into the water. Just boom, down in the water. There's been several other falls like that. But those were the two most memorable ones that I think about as being really funny. Is when my dad's involved. There's another one about a turkey coming to life and him wringing its neck, but I won't. I'm sure I've probably already told that one before. Awesome. All right. Drake asks, question for Elliot. You are a numbers guy and love to look at your stats pre, mid, and postseason across the board. Do you ever set a harvest goal for your year and see if you can make it? Yeah, anymore my harvest goal is 100. Um, I didn't think that I would hit 100 until I was retired. And so um, before the last couple of years, my goal was I was always trying to hit, I could go by the tens. Like if I had hit 70, I'd be trying to hit 80. If I hit 80, I tried to hit 90. And now that I've hit a hundred, then typically a hundred ducks is my harvest goal. Now last year I actually set the, set my goal at 80 because the habitat was so terrible in this area. And it was just such a brutal year. I thought, man, if I can just hit 80, I'll be happy, which is still, you know, not, not bad at all for, for 30 hunts, but hundred is typically hundred is typically my, what I'm looking for, which ends up being about 3.33 ducks a hunt. Yeah. So yeah I have thought about it. <laughs> yeah. What do you, do you, what was your number last year? Um, it was in the eighties for ducks and it was in the nineties for total, I think around 95 for total waterfowl. I ended up doing a lot better than what I had, th- I had, thought I hit that hot streak right around the flyways collective where it was just like six, seven hunts of just bam, 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 just doing awesome. And then I got hot late. So I it ended up being a good year. Anytime I can shoot in the eighties or above, I'm not going to complain at all. So what was the total then? Um, it was in the eighties for ducks and then the nineties for total waterfowl. Okay. I, I don't remember at... the exact, but that was basically it. I'm looking at mine real quick. to remember I got this handy dandy little, uh, um, uh, FDH hunt stats. So I can look at it. Freelancehuntstats.com. Yeah. Uh, my total was 129. So I think I need to make mine this year 150. <laughs> and how many ducks did you have? Uh, I don't know. Well, you're looking um, at it right there, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So 89 ducks. And 40 geese. That was a good year. So you beat me in both categories? Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised. I got to pull mine up. Maybe I, I think I, I was thinking I still had more ducks than you. If you guys like keeping track of your hunting stats, freelancehuntstats.com is a great place to do it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um. All right. Let's go on to the next one. And do either of you have, this is from Benjamin. Uh, do either of you have off-season goals for Chief and Georgie uh, before the season? Um, yeah, honestly, I need to get back on the training train. I was doing good early on, then I had the surgery and everything hit, kind of threw me off, and I haven't been training Chief like I should be. So, I mean, the thing is, he does good. He does good on hunts, and, like, he's a very good hunting dog, and he's not, like, so he doesn't do long marks and all that, but, like, I feel like we've hit the point where it's like we are one when we hunt. Like he knows and I know and we like, I don't know, we're just a good team, I should say. Uh, but there's definitely things I could prove on. One thing I wanted to prove on was the hand signals, whistle set, and um, obviously, you know, combining the two uh, when he's at a distance and then doing long blinds. Um, if I can get those things done in the next couple months, I'll be very happy. Yeah, with me, so I just got done, just got done with force fetch. Once she got past the hold part, she flew through the rest. Uh, my biggest problem, Jordan, was finding a way for her to not want to pick up the bummer. Because remember, Chris Jobman said, 
if you have a dog that loves bumpers, then you have to find a way to get them in a situation where they don't want to fetch it when you say fetch it and then force them to do it. That was my biggest problem. In fact, I only had one instance where I could find it at all. When I switched to three inch bumpers, there was one day in which she was refusing to pick them up. And so I, by the end of that one session, then she was, she was picking them up with enthusiasm, but that was it. I could not find a way to make her not want to pick up a bumper so that I had to force her to it. I I mean, I had people around, I had people swinging other bumpers around. I was throwing other bumpers. She just, this dog is a bumper freak. She is so excited about them. So that, that was my big issue. Um, but she, so she loves bumpers so much. She flew through phase two, which is the ear pinch and forcing them to pick up. She flew through the ladder part. I mean, she was done. Um, my only disappointment from it is that she has this habit of kind of chomping on the bumper and I cannot get her to stop. And I, I, um, sent a video and contacted Chris and he said, he said, the reason she's doing that is because you threw her so many retrieves and started her force fetch at a year that this is just a habit she's formed. He said, just move on. So that's the only thing that I'm a little disappointed at that. She kind of wants to hold the bumper and, and kind of not a little bit, just kind of chomp on it and get it down to the end of her mouth. But so finish that. Now I'm working on forced to pile, which she's in two days, she's got perfectly forced to pile. And so I've started on, um, I went back to the Freddie King videos from this point and I'm starting at, um, hand signals to where she goes to her place. She comes back. I blow the whistle and she sits. And then I, I go, you know, left hand up. She, she turns to the left and goes to place right hand up. She turns and goes the right way to place, but I'm using the word place and then we'll transition that into back. So, but I mean, I'm doing two and three a days now because there's about 10 weeks left. So by the time I think by the time it starts, I think that she'll be pretty good on hand signals. I think. Um, yeah. So I'm, I think she's going to be fully steady. I think she's been through force fetch and I think that she's going to be pretty good on hand signals by the time we start in September. Now that with her having live birds for the first time, all bets are off. She's going to do some stupid stuff. (laughs) She's going to, but, and I think that her enthusiasm is going to be a whole notch. Like Chris said, you haven't seen anything yet till you see her on live birds. So I need to get some pigeons real soon and I need to get her into live birds. So I'm just going through those meat dog, um, videos now on Freddie King and I'm just going to knock a many, as many out as I can by doing, I'm going to do three days with her and hopefully she'll keep flying. Cause she's the point now where she almost, you know, if I hold left, I've got to stand, I've got to take a couple steps to the left or right. And then I raise that hand and she turns the right direction. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, but after, after two days of that and five sessions, she's doing it. She's turning the right direction already. So I'm hoping that I can just fly and make tons of progress in the next 10 weeks and, and she'll be really solid by the opener. Awesome. Actually today I did that, you know, Chris was talking about the burn where on the last step of force fetch that they, they pinch and just hold the collar and, and won't let them go to the bumper. And it, they just like go nuts to try to get to it. You remember he was talking about that whole session. Yeah. Well, I didn't think I was going to do that with her. Um, just because, you know, Chris was like, well, you don't have to do that part. We just like to see it. Well, she was having a little bit of problems um, when I when I said fetch at a little farther distance. And then it was when I was doing force to pile and just giving a little nick. She was getting confused and, and thinking I wanted her to come back to me. So I went back um, and and did um, the force fetch, just holding it down in front of her. On that last one, I was burning her with a five and holding her back. And she was just she wasn't screaming like in pain, but like her desire to get that bumper, she was digging and whining and I let her go, man. And she picked up that bumper and she was like, like a predator. She was, I had to stop her from it, but she was like shaking it. Like she wanted to kill it. But like her whole desire to go after that thing was so high. I was just like, so excited. (laughs) I was so excited. Of course, Simeon and Elijah were sitting there and they thought I was torturing her, but they didn't (laughs) know. It's like, no, this was a good thing. This was awesome. What she is doing. Awesome. Well, we didn't make it through all the questions, Elliot, and we got to jump to the next podcast. But don't worry, guys. If you put a a comment on the Fellowship of the Duck Gun, we'll get to them. So we're going to do another Q&A session to knock these out. 
um, and we'll we'll knock them out the next week. So that'll be uh, two podcasts away. So if you put a put a question on that we didn't get to, we will get to all of them. So, um, but yeah, I think that's all we got for tonight. Any last words, Elliot? Nope. I always enjoy these Q and A's and just catching up. And I do want to come up there for a fishing trip sometime. We got to make that happen. That would be fun for me, off season. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll get you up here for sure. Still had salmon, trout. Probably still had her salmon. You'll have the most fun on. So we'll make it happen. But alrighty, folks, we're signing off. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Ducking, and we'll see you guys on the next one.